You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, please remember to follow Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, happy to be back for another episode, another day to talk to the Houston Texans. You know, yesterday, Cody, we discussed the most exciting positions on offense. Now, looking at our perspectives differently, of course, you chose the running back group. I chose the tight end group. Today, we will be analyzing the most exciting position uh, on defense. And I cannot wait. Also, the what ifs of Houston Texans history. And I think that's a pretty, pretty exciting discussion to have before we get out of here today, don't you think? Yes, sir. You know, you're talking about a franchise that's <laughs> coming up on 20 years in the next couple of years. But, you know, this is a franchise just like any other team in sports history where if a couple things just went their way, it could be a draft. It could be a trade. It could be <laughs> injuries for sure. If a couple things just went their way, you're talking about a situation that could have played out better for the Texans. So we're going to get into that later on in the show. I actually have my eye set on one particular moment, but um, yeah, we're going to get into that pretty soon. You know, Cody, I had the opportunity yesterday to finish the last dance documentary. And from start one to start to the last episode from the first start to the to the finish you know there are a range of emotions that as a viewer and as a basketball lover as a sports lover you kind of go through right you see the the young flashy triple gold chain air jordan number ones michael jordan you see the beat up version of michael jordan you see the the, 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 you know what? I'm tired of this, Michael Jordan. You see the tyrant, Michael Jordan. You see every emotion, range of emotion of Michael Jordan you can possibly, you know, think of. You see it finally over a 10 part docuseries that, you know, ESPN and Michael Jordan have been sitting on this footage for a very long time. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, that old Sweeney called Deshaun Watson the Michael Jordan of football. And NBA and NFL careers rally max out at the same time. You have Tom Brady, who played 20 years, still playing right now. And then you also have Kobe Bryant, who played 20 years. That's, that's very seldom that players in the NFL play as long as the NBA players. But over the course of his time that he will spend in the NFL, and hopefully it's with the Houston Texans the entire time, you know, will we have a moment where we say, wow, in a game that it matters most? I mean, Michael Jordan had game six shots. He had he sent Cleveland home. He sent the Jazz home twice. You know, he, he sent Portland home. He sent all of these Indiana, I can go on and on, New York Knicks and those fights and those battles and the Detroit Pistons. You know, he had those battles. 
And with six championship rings, six for six, six in final MVPs, will we see the same of Deshaun Watson? Or something close to it, since the NFL is a little bit harder to operate than the NBA. I don't want to say I don't understand the Deshaun Watson to Michael Jordan comparison because, in you know, to put somebody on Jordan level, not only are you you talking about the best player on your team, but you're talking about the best player in the league and. I mean, as great as Deshaun Watson is right now, I do not believe he is the best player in this league. Um, But I've been on record saying this multiple times that once he figures out a way to stop holding on to the ball so long and correct maybe one or two nitpicks I have about his game, I do believe he can reach that standpoint of being the best player in this league. But to, to say Watson could reach the status of Jordan. Me personally, I feel like we should at least pump the brakes on that because Watson has to catch the shadow of the so-called GOAT of the NFL, and that guy is Tom Brady. So can we at least get Watson to the point where he can start looking at Tom Brady for his overall legacy before he starts to take on the the comparison of Michael Jordan, and that's no disrespect to Deshaun Watson. I mean, regardless of, you know, barring injuries, and of course, God forbid, if he go crazy and get in trouble for all all that other foolishness, but I do believe we are going to see a lot of great things in Deshaun Watson's career. I do believe when it's all said and done that this is going to be a guy we're going to look back and say, okay, he has a case to be one of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time, and, and possibly players of this league in general, but you know, the the call him Jordan, I mean, I get it. Just like Jordan, he's a guy that could create something out of nothing. But to say he can have a career like Michael, it's I mean, Michael Jordan has arguably the perfect career for an athlete. And although he did not him and the Bulls did not get a chance to defend their title after winning their six, to be honest, John, I believe that is the perfect ending for Michael Jordan's career as a Chicago Bull because we have seen every single great player and every single great team, every single great dynasty, you know, they get to the point, they get old, they get injured, or they just get beaten. We we, we didn't see that with Jordan. We, you know, the, the not, nobody can physically say they beat Jordan after he started winning in 91. Nobody. Maybe you can argue the Orlando Magics, but I mean, hell, he that don't count because he only played, I believe, 20 games before the playoffs started. You know, and I say all that because Jordan had arguably the perfect career as an athlete. You're talking about not only the best basketball player of all time, but the greatest athlete of all time. You know, the comparison of Watson is fun. But like I said, I mean, Watson has a long ladder that he needs to climb and you know, first he got to catch that shadow that was once in New England that is now in Tampa Bay, and that shadow was Tom Brady. Absolutely. Now, yesterday, like I mentioned, we talked about the most exciting position we were looking forward to on the offense. We're going to switch and flip sides and talk about the defense today. But before we get into all that good stuff, I just want to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you in part by Built Bar. 
And ladies and gentlemen, if you are looking for a great way to get your protein or, or just something that can help you get that healthy snack or healthy breakfast treat, Built Bar is the way to go. And I'm a living witness. Every single morning, I start my day off with a Built Bar, most noticeably with my favorite flavor, banana nut bread. And boy, does it get me going. I know you guys have been hearing a lot about Built Bar over the past couple of days. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know what all the fuss is about, I am encouraging you to give it a try when you place your first order at BuiltBar.com. Remember, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. So after yesterday's conversation where Cody and I looked at the various positions on the offense and, you know, not name Deshaun Watson, of course, because everybody's always excited to see him play football. I chose the tight end group because of the versatility that it can bring, especially with Deshaun, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, rather, no longer here in Houston and how much of a red zone threat the tight end group as a whole can be utilized going into next year and you know Cody chose the running back group because of the versatility that they bring as well but what a flip side today right Cody and talk about the defense what area of the defense are we most excited to look and see and view next season when everything is all said and done and the final roster is you know put in and we're ready for game one against Kansas City and you know analyzing everything that we looked at last year the expectations after the season ended and knowing what needed to be fixed, going out in the draft, selecting Ross Blacklock with our very first pick, selecting Jonathan Grenard with our second pick. One would think that the defensive line is, or the, the you know, the, the front four, however you want to put it, is the most exciting to look at next year. And I got to tell you, you know, it, it was a very close between the defensive line and who I chose, and that's our secondary. And I'll tell you why. Garyon Conley had a limited amount of games with the Houston Texans last year after being traded from Oakland to here in Houston. Had a very rough start in Oakland, very rough start in Oakland. But I think when he got to Houston, he got here, got a change of scenery, got behind some coaches that believed in him and put him in the best position to win it. Ended his season as a Texan, phenomenal considering didn't have an offseason, was thrown in the fire. And it just seemed like week in and week out, he got better, better, more comfortable. And now he'll be going into his second year with Houston. Lonnie Johnson Jr. will be going to his second year in the NFL. Still interested to see what Vernon Hargraves the third can do, whether he'll be a situational cornerback, more of a special teamer, but I think he will get a lot of burn at our corner in the secondary. And then we know that Bradley Roby had a very phenomenal year last year, considering his injuries and what he had to battle through. He was a very good cornerback for Houston, right? Those are just, you know, names off the top of my head. And then we got to go to the safety position. When we look at Justin Reed and what he can do with that shoulders fully healthy, get him back to full form. And then after he gets to that level, ascend a little bit and get better from the previous two years. I'm super excited about this secondary because we opened up game one against Patrick Mahomes, who is a guy that, you know, and game two at home against Lamar Jackson. Both of these quarterbacks can be very elusive. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, you know, he can get out of a, a dangerous situation, a situation, break, and then hit a bomb downfield for a 50-yard touchdown. Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, he can 
scramble, get out. He can do a plethora of things because he is that supernatural at times. I get it. But we all know that the road to the championship game right now is to Kansas City, and they have a phenomenal offense. And that's why, you know, I was looking at looking back at everything, and I really wanted to go with the defensive line and just getting after the quarterback. I did, but I think ultimately, with all of these guys going into their second year with Houston, Bradley Roby's second year, Gary Connie's second year, I think we see a huge leap from Lonnie Johnson in his second year. I was starting to really understand that these coaches are raving about their versatility for a reason. They believe, I think so, that the secondary is a strong point of this defense, at least right now, going into next season. And it showed at the end of last season as well. And I'm excited to see what they can possibly do in the 2020 season. Well, you say you didn't want to talk about the front seven, but that's what I'm going to talk about. But in particularly the outside linebackers, and the one guy that I'm looking at is Whitney Merciless. Now, John, when I talk about the outside linebackers, you know how I feel about Jonathan Grenard. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, in his one and only season at Florida, he led the SEC in sacks. And you know I've said this prior to the draft, during the draft, after the draft. I truly do believe that he is by far the best player the Texans picked up in that draft. And I do believe once he gets his legs under him and learns the ins and outs of the NFL, he's going to be one of the best linebackers in this league. So with that being said, of course, I'm excited to see what Grenard is going to bring to the Texans in his freshman year. But switching over to Whitney Merciless, listen, this is a guy, it has been a roller coaster ride watching merciless over the past few years and i only say that due to the fact when you take a look at his production on the field it has been very up and down some seasons you're looking at a whitney merciless where you could be like wow why is he not in the discussion to be one of the best linebackers in this league then other times you're looking at him and saying what the hell is going on with him and not only can you see it by the production on the field but just take a look at his numbers Go and check out Whitney Merciless' numbers and watch how much it fluctuate throughout his career. Now, first, let me say this. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Ever since he came to the league in 2012 when he was drafted by the Texans, this is a guy who played a huge part in the Texans' defense. But at the end of the day, sometimes I believe that there is more Merciless to can give us. I'm more interested to see what is he going to do heading into the 2020 season. And when you take a look at that 2019 season, it was basically the tale of two halves with Merciless. The beginning of the year, he talked about how he wanted his contract extension. He talked about how he wanted to be in Houston and how determined he was to get that other contract. The first half of the year, he balled out. Second and half of the year, after he signed that contract, his production started to decline. And you're talking about a guy at the beginning of the season, he was projected to surpass his career high of 12 sacks that he recorded in 2015 that, oh yeah, was also during the time he was eligible for a contract extension for the Texans. I don't know what it is about Merciless, but it always seems like he rides to the occasion when he has a contract on the line versus once he gets his money, his production started to dip. Like I said, 2019, first half of the season, he was on track. He was projected to surpass that 12 sacks that he recorded in 2015. Once he got his money, 
he only ended up with seven and a half sacks. And like I said, this is no disrespect to Whitney Merciless, but I'm interested to see what version of Merciless we're going to get in 2020. A lot of this front seven, a lot of it being better than what it was in 2019, is going to fall on his shoulders. And with him entering a season where he already has his bag over the next couple of years, I'm interested to see what version of Whitney Merciless are we going to get. Are we going to get the version that we saw in 2015 or the first half of 2019 when he was fighting for a contract extension and he was giving you 12 sacks or on the verge of giving you 12 sacks if his production was to stay the same? Or he's going to give you roughly around five to seven sacks like he's been doing throughout his career. So with that being said, I'm excited to see what Merciless and Grenard is going to bring to the Texans in 2020. Now, Grenard, on the other hand, like I say, he's a rookie. I'm going to be more excited once he get his legs and, and learn the ins and outs of the NFL because, I mean, this is a guy coming in as a rookie. I mean, I don't know about you guys, John. I don't know about you, but me personally, I don't like to put too much hope in, in, into, a, into a guy during his rookie season. Because there's a lot for him to learn, especially when you take a look at what this rookie class is going through, trying to get accustomed to the NFL in the midst of this pandemic where you don't even know when or if OTAs and, and rookie training camps and all that are going to happen. So even though I'm excited to see what he's going to bring, I'm not expecting that much. But a guy in Whitney Merciless who is entering his ninth season in the league, at this point, I am hoping and expecting more. And you know what? I think just like yesterday's conversation and discussion we had, I think in order for this team to really excel, both parts are going to have to excel. And I chose secondary. And the reason why I chose secondary is because we had rough moments last year. Players went down. Players were brought in. Players had to step up. Some did. Some did more than others. So on and so forth. And you can say the same thing about last year on the defensive side of the ball when we look at who was rushing the passers. You know, Jacob Martin, above all, stepped up late. When J.J. Watt went down and we really couldn't get pressure from anywhere, you know, he ended the season with three and a half sacks. And I give that credit to him just coming in and saying, hey, I, I was traded to come here. And people, you know, boo me and who the hell is I? Who, who the hell am I? And I came in and I'm going to give you guys something to stick around. But I think one thing that stuck out from Anthony Weaver's press conference is he loved how versatile secondary was. He also mentioned how they have to do a better job of getting after the quarterback. Both of these go hand in hand in order for this defense to really excel and succeed and when we look at the discussion of what's more exciting what do you anticipate more and so on and so forth there's really no wrong answer here you know what i mean we could we could we could both agree and say the defensive line we can both agree and say the linebacker core we can both agree and say the the secondary but both will be needed in order for this team to really take off and when you look at the top two teams of last year scoring-wise, well, not top two, uh, the Ravens were number one, I believe, and the Kansas City Chiefs were around top five. But, you know, what they are able to do on offense, and we are expecting it to be a replica of last year, this entire group on the defensive side, whoever they put out on the field collectively as a whole 
we'll all have to step it up and give the offense an opportunity to shine, just like if we're talking about yesterday, the offense has to do a very good opportunity to score points to make the, the defensive job easier going into next year. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty, not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine, but it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get it a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. What if? It's a simple phrase, but it raises so many more. John, I don't know about you, but I hate the term, what if? Because not only are you trying to rewrite history, but it just breaks your heart thinking about what could have been. It's just, it's just tragic, man. When we look at sports and the dynamic sports has, the what-ifs are, it's inevitable. It is always inevitable. And the conversations are needed to remind people of just sometimes how dumb their franchise can be or just how, you know, a, a cut to the right or a cut to the left, an ankle injury, an ACL injury, things that happen that, can really suck the life and chances of winning a championship from the franchise. You know, John, you say all that, but what's funny, sometimes the biggest what if doesn't even happen on the football field. It happens in the front office. And right now I'm going to go with the biggest what if in Texans history. What if the Texans would have signed Peyton Manning instead of giving Matt Schaub that four-year extension in 2012. Now, ladies and gentlemen, to refresh y'all memory, let's take a trip back to 2012. Peyton Manning has just been released by the Indianapolis Colts. And the Texans was on track to sign Peyton Manning, one of, arguably, if not, depending on your take, the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Instead of signing a guy who is by far no lower than the top four, possibly top five quarterback of all time, Texans management decide to sign Matt Schaub to a four-year extension. Now, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Matt Schaub, before Deshaun Watson, he was possibly arguably the best quarterback in franchise history. And, you know, it's sad to say that because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not too many guys you can – debate maybe ryan Fitzpatrick. patrick giving your take i don't know but matt shop did his thing in 2011 and he deserved a contract extension don't get me wrong but 
to say that you're going to favor him over Peyton Manning. Yes, I know Manning was a guy who was coming off a severe neck injury, and that's part of the reason why, well, that is the reason why he missed the whole entire season in 2011, and you're talking about the standpoint of the Colts moving on for him. But ladies and gentlemen, John, if the Texans would have signed Peyton Manning in the offseason of 2012, I do believe the Texans could have a Super Bowl ring by now. And I only say that due to the fact when you take a look at that 2012 season, you're talking about arguably the best team in franchise history. Aaron Foster was in the midst of his prom. Andre Johnson was in the midst of his prom. And John, you always say this. What if Andre Johnson played with at least a decent quarterback throughout his time in Houston? And you're talking about a team who went 12 and 14, who started 11 and 2 that season. You don't think if you replace Matt Schaub with Peyton Manning, you don't think that team is getting getting farther than, than the divisional round like they did? Come on now, man. It doesn't get any better than that. The Texans arguably had the greatest quarterback in history fall in their lap, and they decide to move along. Now, to Peyton Manning, was he the Manning that we saw in Indianapolis? Uh, no, he wasn't. But at the end of the day, he was still better than at least 90% of the quarterbacks in the league at that time. And you're talking about a guy in 2012 who recorded 4,659 yards in his first year in Denver, then the next year and recorded his fifth NFL MVP award while recording 5,477 passing yards and 55 touchdowns in 2013. Hmm. What did the Texans do after you give Matt Schaub that four-year extension? Yeah. You went 12-4. and four. Yeah. You made it to the divisional round. But what did you do the following year? 2-14. and 14. Once again, you don't think if the Texans would have brought Manning in, Peyton, not Eli, not Archie, Peyton, you don't think he's leading that team, that 2012 team, arguably the best team in franchise history to a Super Bowl championship. And I, I think this is one of the days where I don't have a rebuttal because that's exactly my biggest what if of all time. You know, the 2011 <laughs> Texans had a, they were ranked number four in defense that year with Matt Schaub. And you bring in Peyton Manning. That very next year, they were ranked number eight in the league. Still a very good defensive team. JJ Watt wins his first defensive player of the year. That defense that would have surrounded Peyton Manning along with Dwayne Brown of that offensive line, giving you Aaron, Aaron Foster, Andre Johnson, I think it was a no-brainer that that team could have won a Super Bowl. And I have no rebuttal because as of right now, that is my number one what-if of all time. But I got another, another what-if of all time for the Houston Texans that I get into later this week. Guys, we definitely want you to tweet us or – Hit us on Facebook at Locked On Texas, both pages on Facebook and Twitter, respectively. Your biggest what ifs in Texas history. Uh, until tomorrow, I'm John, some sports guy. You can follow me on Twitter at some sports guy. And, you know, you can always have fun. Tweet me all of your interactions, questions, TV show suggestions, sports discussions, and topics. It doesn't matter. I am off for the next few days. So 
I would be able to have a lot of fun being an off work essential. And as always, please remember to follow me at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until tomorrow, Houston, please stay safe while you're out there moving around. Peace. You are locked on Texans. Your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.